for just about everything for the outdoors. Go to MidwayUSA.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. It's that time of year, everybody. You're probably looking for the most lightweight, packable, and reliable mobile hunting gear on the market. If you are, look no further than Latitude Outdoors. Latitude aids in any hunter that is looking to get into saddle hunting or mobile hunting in general, or for the guy or gal that is already experienced. Latitude offers saddles, climbing methods, platforms, ropes, dump pouches, knee pads, and much more. Let Latitude steer you to unfamiliar places while being efficient and lightweight in the process. For more information, head on over to LatitudeOutdoors.com and save by using the code THEFALLPODCAST for 25% off your next purchase. New for 2023, Helix introduces its four-blade head, the FJ4. The FJ4 broadhead takes the standard single bevel design blade that Helix is known for and adds two smaller bleeder blades that insert directly into the ferrule. Adding for an additional 15-16th cutting diameter from the original Helix broadhead consisting of the following sizes. 2 and 1 16th for 100 and 175 grain, 2 and an eighth for the 125 and 200 grain head, and 2 and a quarter for the 150 and 225. Improve blood trails and measure your recovery in seconds for the fall of 2023. Use the code FALLHX10 to save at helixbroadheads.com. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Today is May 30th, 2023, and today's episode is 302. I don't even know why I'm keeping track, but it's 302. I still remember it, so till the day I forget it is when I'll 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 stop at that day. But um, I'm your host Aaron Blasey, and with me as always, David Riley, and uh, we're here. It's another episode of my biggest buck to date. I think that's what we've been calling it, or my best buck to date. One of the two. Um, we've done a few of these episodes, but today is with Jake Hofer from Exodus Trail Cams, and uh, this story is a good one. I This one was really cool. He's got multiple years years of history with this deer, and this one was a fun one to, to record. 
Yeah, this one's got a little different spin on the end of it. You know, it, it may not just be all about the, the size of the, the rack on this one. Let's just say that. Yeah, and, and we're not, these deer don't have to be giants by any means. Like, the, the it's just your best buck to date, you know, and it's, again, you know, the one giant mistake, we had a ton of people wanting to come on the show, but they only maybe had, like, one encounter with the deer. We, like, we were trying to go for that story. And then the bonus is that the deer is just a world-class deer, you know, mm -hmm. and it's the same kind of thing here. Um, but Jake's a damn good hunter, man. He's from Illinois. Does a lot of hunting in Illinois. He's, he's so, you know, something with Jake that I've realized after listening to a lot of his podcasts and getting to know him pretty well, he's very detailed. He's very like surgical. He likes to like make a calculated strike. And I think that's so cool. I, I think that's so cool that he just does all of his homework and is just like, I got to wait. I got to wait. Okay. Today's the day I'm going, you know, and, and he, he does hunt quite a bit, you know, um, but he's very surgical on, and when he goes in and strikes, I think that's really neat. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree more when, when I listen to him talk, the first thing that comes to my mind is like, he, he knows his land very well. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And that's, that's a big part of the game, you know, is knowing, knowing how your land hunts and when to hunt it. And he's, you'll hear during the story, this is a newer piece. And by year two, he's kind of got it figured right out. So yeah, it's a, it's a great story, man. And this, this deer is uh this deer is something else. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I want to do some housekeeping things here. So we do have the website live. It's been live for a while. You can listen to the podcast on there, but even better, we have merch on there. We got some sick hats. We got some sweet t-shirts and some hoodies. Actually so sweet that a lot of people have been buying them and I have to reorder more because we're getting low on stock, <laughs> um, which is a good thing. But uh, if you guys are wondering how to order, go to fallpodcast.com, click on the store tab and uh, order something. And um, we're coming up with some more hat designs. We said that last week on last Friday's episode. We're going to be doing some more unique hat designs. Don't know where we're going to be coming out those. It's not an overnight deal. It's It takes time. So I'm just glad we got it up and running and a lot of people are buying. So thank you guys for all the support on that. That is that is greatly, greatly appreciated. I, I can't thank you enough. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. The, the support means everything to us, right? Like when we get to see, you know, we're seeing pictures, we're seeing videos, we're seeing people in person that have, you know, the fall podcast gear on. It it really means the world to us. And I you can't help but love guys will send you a message and they, they got their they got their new, uh, you know, the AB hat or the Riley hat sitting on one of their deer mounts and stuff. And it, it's so cool. And, and I, I tell you, I actually didn't tell you this yet, Aaron. Uh, funny stories. Someone I know that they had uh, got a fall podcast shirt, they decided to make a trip up to the casino the other night, and uh, he's, he shoots me a text message, and he says, hey, Mike from Soren Eagle says, says, hey, what's up? And I was like, what? And then I had to think about it, and I, I got to think, I was like, well, it's Mike, uh, your buddy that lives up Vasquez. there. Yep. Yeah, Vasquez. Yep, Michael Vasquez. I said, oh, yeah. I said, yeah, he, he's a good guy. And he goes, yeah, he's, he's seen me with the shirt on, so he came up to me and started talking to me. Let's go. I, yeah, I was like, heck yeah, let's go. <laughs> yeah. Real cool. That's cool. Yeah. That is sweet. Very cool. Yeah, the, the, the merch thing was very daunting going into it, but now it's like it's a well-oiled machine. Like it's mm – -hmm. 
you know, we're averaging quite a few orders per day. I, I'm really, I'm actually liking it. Like, <laughs> it's pretty neat. So thank you guys for ordering. <laughs> yeah, you're, dude, you're doing a great job too, because, you know, I can remember when we first started talking about it, um, you know, we're kind of figuring out what way to do it, what, what the best route was, and that, you know, when something's all kind of brand new like that, it can kind of be overwhelming. But uh, I think the uh, the shipping department's doing a good job, you know, get a good smoke coming out of back. that window. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's smoke coming out of that window. I think the other night I was like, so usually like Friday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday orders, it's hard for me to get them out like and it's you know they'll usually probably go out monday or whatnot if i can get them out saturday morning i'll get them out but last weekend i think we got like 17 orders in like two and a half days so sunday night the girls went to bed and i was up till like midnight just filling orders you know i'd throw a podcast on or something like that and just like you know, zone in and I'm just shipping department Sunday night. <laughs> so. I can, I can just picture this now is your wife's trying to go to sleep, but all she can hear is that, that tape, like stretching over a box yeah. and like cutting. <laughs> I've already went through one roll of tape. I'm almost through two rolls of tape and geez, oh, beat, so Aaron, he's, you know, seven out of the 10 fingers are all bandaged bandaged up from oh, being yeah. caught in the cardboard cuts the paper cuts and oh yeah you're doing a great job though buddy real good job Pre- appreciate it. i can tell you this my local uh usps store you know the uh, post office there um i've got to know the guy and they're pretty good really good dude and uh i came in there like santa claus one day i had like 17 or 18 boxes and I I could only hold about six at a time, and they're like in front of my face, you know. He get he come or I come in and I put him. He he gets what I'm doing. Like I've mm-hmm. talked to him about it before. I got an online store. I'm like, all right, I'll be right back and get get another load. He's like, all right. So I come in with the same amount, put him on the table, and I'm like, all right, I'll be right back. He goes, holy shit, how much do you have? I said, there's four <laughs> loads here, <laughs> and that was only like two or three days. I'm like, let's go, let's. I will box up as many as I have to. I just, honestly, you know, yeah. So we make a little bit on the on the merch, but like, it's not even that for me. It is so cool to be able to like see people buy into a, a like a brand, if you will, or. Like, I just want to make some cool shit and have people proud to wear it, you know, yeah. and, and that, that is so cool. And, you know, people, the feedback on the podcast, it just never gets old. Like, yeah. you know, I told a story a while ago and I told my wife, like it was about Odell Beckham Jr. I think I've told you this story before and, and now I'm not trying to compare myself to Odell Beckham Jr., but I, you know, watched a video of him like changing a kid that had it was special needs it changed his life like the kid was crying because he gave him his shoes and i'm like i told my wife one day i'm like that's the kind of impact i want to have on people like i want to be able to and, I, and i'm not saying i want to be famous that's not what i'm saying i want to be able to go up to somebody and just be like you know like it's so cool to to like talk to you and like so like like make their day you know mm-hmm. or it's so cool for them to wear the fall hat or a t-shirt or a hoodie like at deer camp or something like that like that's like the i i i just picture like someone you know that might be sick or you know just less fortunate that is just like maybe we put a smile on their face for that day like that is like my goal like that's what kind of keeps me going every day 
But I think we're going to get a, you know, firsthand taste of it next weekend at Total Archery Challenge. Because I think anyone that's got their hat, they're going to be like, where's my oh, beer, God. boys? Where's my beer, boys? <laughs> I feel like we're going to have but that's, to get a lot of beer. But I'm leaving that, that up to you because I don't even know what to do. Like, I don't even know how many boxes of beer we need to get. <laughs> but you know what? But that's going to be awesome. I will give all, all those beers away. You know what I mean? Because that will be so cool. To see everyone up there, you know, wearing the the fall podcast gear, you know, loud and proud, you know, looking for their pre-beer, though. (laughs) Yeah. Yep, for sure. Okay, let's, uh, I got a question for you. Um, And uh, I'll I'll do mine first, and then you can go, and then we'll get into this episode, everybody. So I got a a question that uh, it's almost like, what would you do kind of question? All right. Paint a hypothetical here. Let's say you got 80 acres, okay, mm-hmm. ish, somewhere in there. You've hunted this in the past. It it produces good deer on it every year, it seems like, glassing or trail cams or even maybe even killing them. Um, you, you find big sheds in it, but you roll up in the, in the summer months to, like, put deploy some cameras, and you find out that... On three sides of the property, there's a solar farm going in, okay? And it's got a 10-foot high fence around it, okay? On three sides of this farm, you can still hunt it. There's still timber on it and everything. What is your headspace going into the fall or the summer and how things may change? Like, is it just one of those things we're just going to wait and see? Or what are you thinking when you roll up there and you're like, shit? Yeah, I'm I'm gonna be a little bit discouraged because the one thing about solar farms is the solar farms are usually going where row crops were, okay? And if they're taking away multiple sides of this farm, that means they're probably most likely taking away all tillable ground. Because that's what usually happens. The the solar farms pay pretty damn good. No, more than damn good money. They paid high dollar money for these farms and they're like Mm -hmm. a 20 year agreement so when they come in they will clear out everything everything possible they're going to clear everything out and they're going to put these 10 foot fences up all the way around them because they don't they don't want wildlife to fly it or not fly in them but go in them but turkeys will Mm -hmm. fly in them but the scary part is is these things take forever to get up and going from what I've seen, like there, there's one part of Michigan that I, I work in quite often that for miles on end has solar farms and it's taken years to build. So there's constant work going around. There's constant people around there. Like, I mean, there's job trailers, there's all kinds of just activity. So I, you know, it's a little bit of, of a freak out moment, especially if this place has, produced you know really good bucks in the past because you know part of producing those really good bucks in the past let's just say it just happens to be in michigan where they don't we don't grow the biggest of deer all the time but this place does there was the right recipe going on there to grow those caliber of deer and just kind of losing that amount of food and that amount of work being done there in and around there is 
you just can't help but wonder what it does. Maybe do the deer get used to it in a year or two? I mean, you see that with subdivisions, right? And like I, I will, I will say because we had a windmill farm go up a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, in some of the areas that I hunt, and that was the same kind of deal. Yeah, you know, there's always people around these windmills, and yep. you even have guys checking on them every four or five days. They have yep. to drive up to them too. Yeah, you know, there's just a lot of activity around there. Did did you think that the deer took a while to get used to that, or they adapt pretty quick? No, I mean it did. Like one fall, like you could tell it changed a lot of stuff in yep. in the matter of one fall, and they were done. With the windmills around me, they were done with those ones by the fall, but it's still, I'm not saying the windmill being there is what like made them change. It was all the, you know, the six months leading up to with all the cranes and the, the excavators and the people in there building stuff and everything. It totally changed one woodlot. It flipped it on its head and it's slowly coming around, but it's taken two or three years for it to come back around. Yeah. And so you know, outside of all the activity and taking away all that all that food, the thing that I would be most intrigued to watch was what do those fences do? You know what I mean? Because now we're talking like, you know, let's just say there's, you know, let's just say there's a 300-acre field next to this 80-acre woodlot, and all of a sudden you put a hard fence up along that 300 acres. You know, we're like, now it's going to, it's got to change some kind of movement. You know what I mean? Where it's it's mm-hmm. going to change every critter around there is going to have to change a bit. So it's going to be it's going to be interesting. Um my guess would be you would see a drop off the first year, maybe two years, maybe it comes back. The big worry though is you know how it is like so much stuff is food based. Where if that food isn't there, are they going to leave somewhere else to go find it? That would be sure. That would be my big worry. So yeah, it's solar farms are real, man. They're 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 big. They're, I I could take you down a road in a county in Michigan that just miles on end. That's all you can see and that's all you can hear. They have like this humming, buzzing noise that it nonstop. That's great because. Yeah. <laughs> they're after the windmill stuff came through here now they're really pushing the solar stuff around here yeah yeah so, i mean it's 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 big dollar for, um i mm-hmm. i talked to a guy probably two years ago um this is what he told me you know your average farmer around here they pay a hundred dollars an acre to rent your land the solar farms will pay eighteen hundred dollars an acre that's a big difference it's can you imagine if you you know Let's just say you're an elderly lady and you're sitting on 600 acres of tillable ground. You've been getting paid $100 an acre for that. And all of a sudden somebody rolls in and says, I'll give you $1,800 for every acre of that. That's a lot of different. That's a lot, buddy. (laughs) For sure. I get it. Yeah. All right. I'm going to, I got some, I got some questions here that almost could feel like a whole podcast really. So I'm going to try to maybe we'll, we'll discuss those some other time, but, uh, okay. um, Oh, here's, here's a fun one, Mr. I want, you know, kind of trying to kill my third booner over here. Okay. <laughs> that okay. was, that was said loosely. I would love to, but I'm, you know, here we go. Loosely. Here we go. Fun question. Really think about 
do you think you have already killed what will be the biggest buck of your life already? Oh my gosh. <laughs> my gut tells me yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I, I feel like I have. Um, but I mean, the thing is, is like, I'm okay with that. Like mm-hmm. I, I'm like, I'm, I'm okay with that. Um, but I will say like, I'm, I'm always, I had this conversation with my wife the other day. I said, the only thing I want in the year is I want seven to 10 days to be able to take, to go on a whitetail hunt, you know, out of Michigan, you know, every year, every fall, I just want seven to 10 days. That's all I, that's all I ask for. Mm-hmm. And, um, so the thing is, is that I will be in areas every year to have an opportunity to kill deer bigger than that. It's just, you know, it's just, uh, luck of the draw, I guess, you yeah. know, uh, and <laughs> I don't know if I'll ever get to a point where I'll be like, yeah, I'm going to hold out for like a 150 or better. I don't know if I'd ever get to that point because like we, we've been talking about it, our Kansas, like, you know, I was in a buddy's wedding uh, a couple weeks ago and actually a couple weeks ago, it had been two weekends ago or whatnot. And all, a lot of the guys that are in that wedding, they, you know, are the ones that are going to Kansas. We're all going to Kansas together and they've been there four years and I haven't been there with them yet. And same with you. And, you know, I was, I was, uh, I threw a little, threw some shade on them Saturday morning. We were getting ready for the wedding. We were drinking some beers and everything. And I'm like, I'm coming for that ass this year, you know, like <laughs> to a couple of the guys that have killed like the bigger deer out there. I'm like, I'm out to Booner or a bus this year. And they were just, you know, get a rise out of whatever. And I'm oh, just like, sure. I'm coming for that ass. And, uh, <laughs> and I'm like, they were grassing me back, and I'm like, let's be honest, boys. The first 130 that comes by, daddy's going to indulge. <laughs> like, <laughs> so that booner better be the first one down the trail or, yep. you know, so we'll see. It's all going to be like, you know, honestly, I mean, the Hambino, I tried to kill like three other deer before him at just for one thing or another, you know, limb in the way. I got busted twice trying to draw you know, so still that applied, you know what I mean? I was just trying to kill like 140 inch deer and, you know, it's just one of those things that like when I, but when I did see him, when I seen him, I'm like, boy, the, you know, it's going to be hard for me to not kill or to, to not kill another deer and hold out for him. I wanted him so bad, oh, so yeah. bad, you know? Yeah. So, Yeah. <laughs> Fun I like question. that question though. Yeah. Yeah. Do you do you feel like you've killed the biggest deer you've ever or you'll ever kill? No. Nope. No. 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 Not. <laughs> I. Not yet. Not yet. I. Well, I okay. Even... Tell me this. If you could. If you could. Uh, I don't know if that's the best way to phrase it, but like, if you could guess, what do you think will be the biggest deer you will kill when it's all said and done? Hmm. Not, not, not the biggest you want to kill, the biggest that you'll, you'll kill. I, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to say the biggest deer, man, this, what a hard prediction, right? I'm going to go something low 70, 172 and change. Okay. 172 and change. But, but I'm, I'm. 
before my days are done, I'm going to kill an upper 60s deer in Michigan. That's what I want to do. That That's like a, like 168, oh that number just, dude, it doesn't leave my head. And I have no, I have no clue why. No clue why. That's cool. That's a good that's, goal, man. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. That's a good goal. All right, guys, this interview, we're going to wrap this up. Please go to iTunes, leave a five-star rating, leave a written review. Also do the thing at Spotify and go to fallpodcast.com. Click on the store tab and buy some merch. That'd be greatly appreciated. So let's get over this interview with Jake. And uh, yeah, here's this interview with Jake Hofer. All right, welcome to another episode of the Fall Podcast. And today you're going to hear a familiar voice, not David or I. I mean, you'll hear us, but another Tuesday episode regular, Mr. Jake Hofer from Exodus. Jake is on here today. Jake, thanks for coming on, man. And and uh, I can't wait to talk about your biggest deer to date because that's what we're going to talk about. I'm, I'm excited. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for the invite, guys. Um, I enjoy your guys' podcast as well. So it's uh, it's fun to be here. Yeah, for sure. Is this, uh, you know, we were just talking off record a little bit about, you know, dropping what day we drop them on and everything and how everything is kind of getting diluted on, on certain days of the week. And it's like, you know, Tuesdays for me is like Exodus is the first one I listen to every Tuesday. It, it is. It's, and you know, it's just cause I can't listen to myself back. Like I hate hearing my voice. So it's like, I got to listen to Jake's voice. So that's what, that's what I do every Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. I can, re- I can relate to that. Uh, it's very seldom I go back and listen to one. It's it's a situation where like there were some things in there that I need to refresh myself because there's some really good information, but it does get really weird talking all yeah. the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I tell you when you when you listen back to some of your own uh, podcast episodes, it's like, dang, I wish I would you know ask this question differently or gosh dang, this would have been so perfect if I would have teed this up here, you know. But it, it just never works that way. No. <laughs> if you're anything like me, man, I after we stop recording a podcast, like I might give it a day or two where I remember and retain the things, but I've been doing it so long now where everything is just a blur and they just yeah. all mesh together and it's like man, if I don't go back and edit it right away or, you know, try to get like a TikTok video out or something like that or I forget about it. I, I do, and I'm just on to the next. I'm, I'm a scatterbrain, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I, I can definitely relate to that. I know our content team chops up a lot of stuff, and they're like, can you think of any highlights from from that conversation You know, two or three weeks ago? No, not really. <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> Who did I have on two, three weeks ago again? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'll have to read the show yeah. notes, refresh my memory. It's, yeah, somewhere between minute one and minute 94 <laughs> should be something you guys could use in there. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I always told myself, like, I've got a notepad always by me, but I always told myself, like, if, like, in conversation, if they're, yeah, there you go. In conversation, if, if something like a hot take, like, would be cool, like, I should just, like, write the time code down. I never do it. Yeah. I never do it. <laughs> yeah. Hundred percent. Or 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 you just look at it and you're like, oh, I'll remember that. I yeah. I know what time that was. That's the most dangerous <laughs> thought I have. I'll remember that because if I do not write it <laughs> yep. down, it does not exist anymore. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. and a lot of times, if if like let's say we had something like a, a mix up or something like that or a mess up or whatever, I'll just look at David and I'll give him the head nod. Then he writes down the time code and then texts it to me. <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Aaron's doing all the editing, so the most I can do is write down a timestamp. You know what I mean? That's a pretty good job. Hey, I, I stay in my lane. That's, yeah. what, I, that's what I do. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. 
Well, enough about that, I guess. So let's get into today. We, we've been doing this series, uh, My Best Buck to Date, or My Biggest Buck to Date, and it's kind of a spinoff from the one giant mistake that we've, you know, we've done in the past. And but ultimately, this is the guys that are getting the deer. So let's let's get into it. Uh, you know, without giving away, you know, the size of the deer and everything about them. Let's start from ground zero. The deer that you we're going to be talking about today. If he's got a name, you know, I don't know if you're into naming deer. Let's let's throw his name out there. But like, let's get into, you know, ground zero when you first saw this deer, what it was all about, and and everything there. So let's start from right there. Yeah, I'll, I'll even premise this with the the meme where it's like, trust me, you're not that guy, pal. I'm not <laughs> claiming to be a big buck savant or anything. So this is my story. Uh, don't don't go throw slander in my messages on Instagram. I'm I'm giving you this disclaimer right now. So. Um, the name of this buck was the number two buck. Um, I am very boring with names. A lot of, the, <laughs> a lot of the times my wife gets really mad because I'm like, you know, the six by five with the kicker on the G4. Like I, that's, that's me with my deer, <laughs> the okay. deer that I'm hunting. It's really bad. Like, you know, the eight pointer with a short G2. So that's, mm-hmm. um, he got the number two buck because there was another deer that was slightly bigger. And so this dates back all the way to 2018. I got permission, um, on a parcel. Did not have, I got, I got permission, I think it was Labor Day weekend, so pretty late into the year. And big fan of scrapes, love them. And I found a scrape that was already open Labor Day weekend here in Illinois. And I was like, oh man, I want to throw a camera on this. Kind of was on the edge of bedding. Um, it was, it's kind of a, a, a larger bluff system and it was the highest ridge for really far away. So it's kind of just the very top of it. And it's, you know, maybe... 50 yards wide for a very long time. And so this scrape was right there on that. And I, I put a camera on there, put a lift to put on video mode and I have no clue what's going to happen. And throughout most of October, it was pretty unexciting. And then scrape week, something I'm always fired up about. And I pulled that card. I think it was Halloween. There was two really big deer on it that I obviously hadn't seen before. It was a brand new parcel. And there was the number one buck, which was a uh, he, he was a six by six. So that's how I named it. It's a giant <laughs> six by six. And uh, there was this other buck in there that had a lot more character. And um, was this a night video of just him working the scrape? And, you know, I don't have a clue how old this deer is or anything else or how frequently he is. Given I did not get him in September or the majority of October, I felt like he wasn't a deer that, you know, was spending a ton of time on that farm. And so hunted both those bucks for the majority of the season, came really close. In, in the grand scheme of things, like was on the tail of that six by six for the majority of the season until he got shot during shotgun season. And that was a, that this is kind of funny in my opinion, like during this 2017, 18, 19, everyone was posting their deer on social media once they got, once they got killed. And so Sunday, or Sunday night at the end of shotgun season, I opened up my Instagram and it was a guy that I followed. Like I figured out who it was. I see him there just grinning with this giant deer and I'm like, no. (laughs) And and so this, I, I was so close. I was right on that deer's tail. I did a hanging hunt on November 9th set up. It was not a very clean setup and I was sweating like crazy. I was bleeding everywhere. I was cutting poison ivy vines to get up to this tree. Mm. And then I put a camera up that evening and then, um, it was, we're getting up ready for black Friday. So I had a bunch of stuff I had to get done. I handled the marketing here at Exodus. And that's when I was like Chad and I, so like a two-man team basically doing everything. So I had a pile of stuff to do. And sure enough, when I pulled that card later, that big six-by-six six was there that night after I left at dark, like looking up the tree. I obviously knew something was up. But then I, was, I still had on that camera. He was on a doe in there for like three days during the daylight, just 
being an idiot. And uh, so that, that kind of stings a little bit. So I, I think if I would have stick stuck with it, I might've had an opportunity at that deer, but fast forwarding that the number two buck was MIA for basically that whole entire time. And then I think November 13th, I had him chasing a doe on a camera and that was the only daylight picture of him. I really got that year uh, throughout the season. And then after that six by six got killed, he started frequently a little bit more like in December and everything else. And what was really interesting was was with this deer, even after he shed his antlers, it was very clear who he was because he kept hitting a scrape that wasn't far from that original camera location. And he would come in super timid, tail tucked, like kind of looking over his shoulder, just really, really nervous. And there was another uh, 10 point frame buck that would hit that scrape either right before or right after. And that deer, I would he got shot in 20, the same year I ended up killing that deer, so 2019. And that deer, was a he was a bully for sure, absolutely. And I could tell that this buck was just really timid and got pushed around, but he still had a really big frame, a lot of mass. And so that was kind of the end of, of 2018 or at least never had a, an encounter with him, had him on camera a handful of times, but you know, a, a really solid deer. There's big things going on right now at Exodus. If you've been eyeing Exodus products for a while now, you're in for a treat in celebration of their eight-year anniversary of trailblazing the trail camera marketplace, Exodus is offering an exclusive campaign for you. Starting May 19th, you'll save 25% off the entire Exodus website. That's right, the entire website. With a deal this great, Exodus will only be offering these savings for the first 300 Exodus renders and 300 rivals. The good news is, if you miss out on these savings, you can lock in 25% off the entire site until June 12th while supplies last. All you have to do is use the code TF, that is for the fall. TF is the code at checkout to unlock your savings. Don't forget that, it's code TF. In case you need to become more familiar with what Exodus has to offer, let me tell you about some of my favorite products they offer. The OG, the Exodus Render, their flagship cell camera powered by the Verizon 4G LTE technology boasts lightning fast transmission times, making it one of the fastest in the industry. Plus, it's incredibly user-friendly and dependable, ensuring the products work flawlessly when it matters most. You can save up to $125 when purchasing the Exodus Render security bundle using the code TF. That's right, $125 when purchasing the Exodus Render security bundle using code TF. And if you're looking for a budget-friendly option that doesn't compromise quality, check out the Exodus Rival. With our exclusive code TF, you can grab the excellent camera for under $140, backed by Exodus's renowned five-year no BS warranty. This new camera is simple, reliable, and dollar for dollar, one of the best cameras on the market. Take advantage of these limited savings and remember, you'll always be backed by the five-year no BS warranty, meaning they stand behind their products for the long haul. On top of that, they offer five-year theft and damage coverage, providing you with peace of mind. Take advantage of these limited savings, and remember, you'll always be backed by the five-year no BS warranty, meaning they stand behind their products for the long haul. On top of that, they offer a five-year theft and damage coverage, providing you with peace of mind. And let's remember, they're best-in-class customer service to solve any issue or hiccups that arise. Over the past eight years, Exodus has consistently proven its commitment to building high-quality, reliable products that flat-out work when it matters most. Join the Exodus family today and experience the difference for yourself. 
head over to exodusoutdoorgear.com and be sure to take advantage of some of the very best savings of the year while supplies last by using the code TF. By using the code TF, you're directly supporting the show and our friends at Exodus. Link in the show notes as well. If you've been a listener of the podcast, you know that I'm a huge fan of Garmin products. None bigger than the A1 series bow sights. I've been shooting a Garmin bow sight since 2019 and in my opinion, hands down, makes you better in the moment of truth. For the past two seasons, I've shot the A1i Pro and my favorite feature of that sight is the confidence it gives you when I'm at full draw on a shooter buck and the moment just slows down. It helps the moment slow down in my opinion. No more movements of grabbing your rangefinder and ranging once, twice, three times, and then moving your dial to the correct yardage. Or for the fixed pin hunters, trying to gap shoot. Just go to full draw, hit the range button, and make every shot count. If you want to learn more about Garmin bow sights, head over to Garmin.com. Uh, tell me this. Let's let's let's. Uh, I'm gonna cut you off here. So going back to 2018, when he was gone, obviously he was not the mature buck in the area. Like there was other deer that were calling this place home, and you know, once the six by six got shot, he was kind of frequenting more. So when he comes into that scrape and you can see he's timid, that's got to tell you a lot, right? Like maybe, you know, he's a subordinate deer. I probably can't call to this deer, you know, and like you're learning a lot from that deer, right? I mean, were you thinking that at that time? So it's actually funny. So we had it all on trade show loop and at Harrisburg uh, in 20, it would have been the February, 2019 uh, trade show loop. And so it's something I really didn't even notice. There's something I didn't even consider. And then Cody DeQuisto's booth was right next to us and he's like hey so that deer's pretty timid his tail's tucked he looks really nervous and i was like dang like i never really even thought of that at yeah the time. <laughs> and i was like yeah you're absolutely right and like that perspective you know thinking back of how that deer behaved and how it interacted and in 2019 i've learned a lot since then i mean we were just talking 2018 was five years ago it doesn't feel like it but yeah. i've learned a lot over those years so that would be something i would instantly grab onto now and so yeah in essence that 2019 trade show loop when when cody made that comment it started to make a lot more sense and then kind of getting a perspective of okay this is kind of the behavior of this deer and he did like i said spend a little bit more time later in that season which gave me more hope for the following year as well so now that that deer's dead uh there was that 10 pointer like a 140 10 that just probably was 300 pounds on the hoof the year he got yeah. this a ginormous body <laughs> 10 pointer um yeah or at least 280. And um, yeah, so that that was kind of going into that. And I, I put up cameras that summer to hopefully get them um, on camera. There was one velvet picture on the 4th of July that may have been him. I'm still kind of on the fence if it really was him or not. And this piece is really small too. So this is a sliver of basically 20 acres that I can hunt with, with pretty rough access. And did you, so before you came into 18, you just got permission on that farm in 18, right? So yeah. What, how old do you think the deer was at that time and how big was he in 18? Yeah. So you ask some guys, you send them the video. Oh, he's five. Oh no, I think he's four. No, I think he's six. And I was like, he's at least five. I can feel really confident saying that just the level of mass that he had. I felt really confident he was five. I mean, that that's the kind of a cop out answer. He's not four. He's not three. He's five plus is kind of what I uh, okay. assumed. How yeah. big was he? Do now, you think? 
Um, I would say probably mid to high 60s. Oh, geez. And he, damn. So you must have some really good deer rolling around if he's like yeah, the subordinate one around there. <laughs> well, that's like, yeah, the, uh, that six by six was like my, my dream buck. And so that, that one, okay. I wish I could relive that season with knowing what I know now so much. I mean, that, that, uh, I think that pain provokes some level of growth as a hunter because oh, yeah. it's, it's stung and it still sings. And I still think about that deer often <laughs> still to this day. Yeah. Now, I got a question for you, Jake. You know, with picking that piece of property up kind of around that Labor Day, you know, you're there in Illinois, you're only like a, a month out from season. And with it being so small, were, were you kind of, you know, approaching with like a, a tippy toe attitude? Or were you trying to like really just, I'm going to go in there and dissect the whole thing and try to learn it as quick as possible with only like, you know, basically a month ago before the season that year? Yeah, I was really reckless in 2018 in terms of my approach. I mean, I, I put up a lot of cameras, and I did not – tippy-toe was not in my vocabulary. I was just like, just go for it. Because with a lot of these permission parcels, I feel a lot of times you only have permission for maybe one or two, maybe three years tops. And thankfully, I'm still able to hunt this farm, knock on wood right now. But you just never know. And so I go to those farms and just what can I make the most of it for this season because that's for all I really am guaranteed. Or, and that's not even a guarantee. It's a permission piece. And so I put up a lot of cameras just to learn what kind of deer were in that area. I had high expectations for it given how it laid out and the neighborhood it was in. And, yeah, I think I put up five cameras the Labor Day when I had permission. I just went in there and, just, and shotgun blasted. And that was before cell cameras. And just kind of let them soak was kind of my my perspective. And then as I was, as the season heated up, it just got better until you know it got worse once the deer died. <laughs> yeah. so now, now let me ask let me ask you this: even though you felt like you know you you were really aggressive and you kind of you know just bull rushed through that place, looking back, did you have have you learned anything from say those very beginning cameras that you hung on that property? Yeah, for sure. Um, Yes, that season was was really telling. <clears throat> and after, I was very aggressive on the front end. I was very aggressive basically up until that real big deer died. And there was, you talk, you have so many different guys, and you you understand that sometimes the not so obvious spots are the best. So I this year I had some good opportunities on this farm, and I had a setup literally thirty yards from a porta potty with good, with good success. So I'm not giving away too much, but the point being is like some of these really obscure spots. I did the, I did the same thing that everyone does that until they learned this, I went to the very back part of the farm that I had permission on. Like, okay, what's the first thing I want to go look at the very back piece of it and go tear mm -hmm. that apart. In reality, I should have walked 20 yards and took a right. And that was probably where that big six by six was, was living because at the end of the season, I walked in there, it was absolutely tore up and like, dang, that's probably where he spent more time than where I was at. And part of the backing up to historical data and everything else, once again, when people posted more on social media, the neighbor posted that deer from 2017. And he's like, he disappeared during the rut. He was gone from October and he showed up at the end of the season. I'm like, my opportunity is going to be no, like or the first two weeks of November when he's mm -hmm. running around like an idiot. So I had that in the back of my mind and that turned out to be true. I just couldn't execute it. So yeah, for sure. I think some, some bull rush tactics there. Sometimes the best piece or best part of that piece is like, think outside of the box. Where's everyone want to go and then circle that on the map. Where would people just walk by every single time? Go look there first. I mean, that's, that's something I do now The where I live now, 
where I shot my buck in 21. I mean, it was maybe 150 yards from my house. Like I walked down the road and it was just, I could see the road. I could hear cars drive by and it's a spot that most people would walk right by. And so I've just had good success with those really dumb spots when you're like, where are you hunting? And you show them they're like, what? That's <laughs> for whatever reason, I've just had good luck in those types of situations. Yeah. Well, I, I tell you what's interesting guys is, you know, you, you really hit the nail on the head with about people going, you know, further back. Cause that was always, that's, that was kind of became like the new thing. Like you gotta, you gotta outwalk everyone. You gotta go mm-hmm. farther than anyone else. But then the guys start killing things and, you know, the big deer in areas that people are kind of walking past. And it's going to be really interesting what's going to kind of happen over the, these years because I could almost see like things always continuously flip flopping, you know, like yep. for a long time, everyone talked about, well, you got to go, you got to kayak in somewhere to go kill a deer and only a few people doing it. Now, now you see a lot of people doing it and you just wonder like, okay, now you don't have to because they've, they've picked up on that, you know, or the, your scenario there sounds it sounds exactly like that, you know, yeah. walk too far, you're going to get burnt. And now, but it'll be interesting to hear over the next few years of how that will play out there. Yeah. I think the the theme there is just think like other people don't. <laughs> it's <laughs> as easy as that is yeah. to say. I think yeah. that's the theme there. And you're right. Everything in the industry seems to flip flop over time, uh, no matter what the category is from everything. I mean, it's, it's just yeah. a, a continuum. Yeah. So, so after that, that 2018 season, you know, kind of, since you get that property late in the summer, beginning of fall, then hunting it, knowing that there's some good deer in the area, you would be extremely excited, you know, get your boots on the ground in the off season on that piece. Yeah. A hundred percent. And that was, that was the goal. So after kind of learning a little bit more about the parcel, I got a little bit more strategic with camera locations. I put them out really early and I just wanted to know what that deer was going to be this year. And so, like I said, 4th of July, maybe had a picture of him, but never really had him in velvet or in September. Um, still had it over those historical scrapes, which a lot of times I see velvet bucks that maybe aren't spending a ton of time on a parcel, like in August, let's say you at least get them on a scrape and you know, they're alive and they're in the general neighborhood. I, that didn't necessarily happen with this deer, but I still had a lot of cameras out. And there was th- that one deer that, in 2018, I think was still bowling the buck. I ended up shot getting, you know, shooting. I had him on camera and he was thicker than ever body weight. Like did not probably grow an inch with his handlers, <laughs> but just super thick. Um, <laughs> and so like that, he was kind of the core buck and, and I still think that he wasn't living on this piece. He was living on a neighboring parcel. And so I'll, with that kind of contrarian thought process. I know what I did last year didn't work. So how can we change access or switch things up? So I talked this person on a little bit more land and they had someone else, you know, hunting the east part of the farm. I said, do you think it'd be a problem if I accessed, you know, just walk through this trail in order to get to to where I have permission to hunt? They're like, yeah, no problem. So that happened. And actually I should have had that conversation sooner, but it happened in, I would say maybe the first or second week of October. And so I think October 17th, I put a camera up in his, one of my favorite historical um, camera locations. It's just how the ridge system works, and there's a creek ditch that where it just automatically funnels just a ton of traffic. And so I put a camera up there October 17th. I hung a set that night, got skunked, didn't see anything, but still felt really good about the area, and it was kind of just getting set up for later in the year. And then I think I hunted that spot 
one more time in October and I pulled the card and that buck was on there. The one I ended up shooting in, in that year. And and that's the first time you've seen him since maybe July 4th, right? But yeah, maybe July 4th. Realistically, I yep. would say January. He shed pretty okay. early. And he had the same exact brow tines, but then everything else just went downhill so oh, much. Oh, really? So much. It, yeah, so much. And it's like, is this the same deer? And I'm looking at him and then uh, something that Don Higgins said that makes perfect sense. Like, look at the brow tines and that's usually a good indication it's the same deer. Same exact brow tines. Like, everything else is shrunk in. But the brow tines are still like six and a half inches. He still has giant bases on them. And I was like, that's the same deer. In that video, once again, he was he was really beat up. His back hip looked messed up. And he's just walking real slow and gingerly. And this is where it goes back to that real thick eight-pointer. He walks through, it was maybe 4.30 in the evening, and about 15 minutes later, here comes that big, thick guy, just like, you know, looking just mean as heck, like snapping his head left to right, like he was, you know, like they had an interaction off camera maybe 100 yards away. It's like, okay, well, he's even more timid, like knowing that, how he had his tail tucked and everything else, like he's 100% a super timid deer. And November 3rd, which is one of my favorite days, like my two favorite days to hunt, you can call me a rut hunter. I don't care. I don't take that as a slander. <laughs> November, <laughs> November 3rd and November 10th are my favorite days. And it was November 3rd. The temperatures really weren't that great, but we had a uh, southwest or southeast wind. I love east winds as well. So we had a southeast wind, which was perfect for that setup to where I could cheat the wind and have it shoot over uh, off this hill. And so I went in there with not a ton of expectations, but hoping that same buck from the 23rd was in there and looking for a doe. Morning hunt. It's just morning hunt. Morning hunt. Yep. Morning hunt. And something that I did there is I, I used that unique access that I hadn't used before often. And so I got in there early and set up and I felt really good about it. Really clean access before the other access was just kind of busted, kind of broken and didn't see a deer until like eight 30. And I saw that buck. He came in worked a scrape like 70 yards away. I was like, Holy cow. Like that was that deer. undoubtedly (laughs) first time you've seen him on the hoof too right yeah yeah and i remember uh text my wife like i'm gonna kill that deer if he walks by (laughs) because like he's like a high 20s maybe touches 130 like that's what he is like he was i like to think in his prime he was a booner i like to think that i don't know that (laughs) because we 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 can say that he was a booner i'm telling you (laughs) he had three years ago he was a booner (laughs) i saw him yeah he was he had booner brains (laughs) and so um so I saw him work this scrape. He's just opening it up. And I was thinking, I had my grunt call with him. I was like, I can't grunt at him or like try to challenge him because he's sick of getting his butt kicked. And so he walks away and I could kind of see him off and I just let out like a bleat. I'm like, I don't know. We'll, we'll give it a try. Just like the most soft, faint, like bleat possible. And I don't know, 10 or 15 minutes go by. And then I see him again, probably about 40 yards now. And I just let out another real faint bleat. I'm hope he might not even heard the first one to be completely honest. It's like, but I know he heard it the second time he came in and there's just a giant it, from the top of the hill. It's all honeysuckle, like really thick, big tree fell over. So a lot of early successional growth. And then where I'm at, it's kind of open hardwood. So it transitioned into the, to those two. And then, so he, my scent is shooting off this cliff and he would have to step out into the open in order to get my scent. But he just stood there for probably 10 or 15 minutes, just I could see his hoofs just standing in the thick stuff. Like, that's him. And so he just stood there and stood there. I just waited out. And eventually, you know, he kind of did one of these and, and just walked out. And I ended up shooting him 30 yards. And 
that was a really cool encounter just to see him so methodical and and just trying to make out like what is my next decision he's looking for a doe still but what is his next decision i lucked out and he, he stepped out in front of me and ended up shooting him which was was really cool I'm back again with some codes to help you save on some great outdoor products. If you're looking for a new bow, go try out the new RevX from Prime at g5prime.com. And if you're looking for a new custom string to go with the new bow or an existing bow, go to americasbestbowstrings.com and use the code THEFALL to save some money. Lastly, but certainly not least, I know you're probably looking for some arrows. So go to methodarchery.com, check out their custom arrows, use their arrow builder, build out your arrows, and use the code FALL10 to save on your next purchase. It is spring and I'm gonna be doing some turkey hunting in a buck bourbon rack house, 300 plus ground blind. They have the patented one-way mesh window so the critters can't see you while you're doing your backstrap ballet just before you go to full draw. They also offer the saloon style spring door for added room while trying to enter and exit the blind. Everyone's done in a time or two. Your pack gets hung up on the top of the door or the zipper alerts a roosted gobbler in the tree above. No more of that. Buck Bourbon has made the door bigger and eliminated the zipper. So let Buck Bourbon help you in the aid of getting your next trophy. Check them out at buckbourbon.com and use the code TFP20 to save on your next purchase. That is cool. So, I mean, was there another deer in the area when he was just sitting there like surveying everything? Or do you think he just got his butt kicked and he's like just trying to get his bearings back like what, what was your thoughts there i don't know because that was the only deer i saw that morning that was so not to say there wasn't another deer in the area or maybe that buck the one that was been whooping his butt was a ridge over i don't know but you know those are the facts that were in front of me and the and i to back up too i checked another camera after i killed him and he showed up november 2nd i ended up killing him november 3rd so i think he was just kind of doing a loop trying to look looking for a doe in general and uh, I just caught him at the right time. And I, I think November 3rd over a, a scrape is a, is a good place to be. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> and I, and I think too, like, you know, yeah, I mean, he could have looted your cameras all October and, and sure. into November as well. But I've, I've also seen bucks like that, that will show up in an area and just kind of like getting their bearings again. Like I haven't been here in a little while. Like doing the loop, trying to figure out the scrapes that he has hit in the past, like who's here, what a lot of smells going on, a lot of deer running around, like just trying to get a lay of the land basically. And um, I think you and, and his area where he's frequented before, and then that scrape was just a deadly combo, you know? Yeah, for sure. And that was, that was really cool just to have that all come together because he was a buck I really wanted to kill after I confirmed he was alive. And, uh, I mean, he simply outsmarted me the year before, so it felt good. <laughs> I got him in his Alzheimer's stage when he didn't know what was going on, but I got him. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I tell you, the part of your story when he's, when you talk about that, he's, he stood there for a good amount of time, man. Those mature bucks like that, especially when they get, like, they're right on the edge of what, you know, what we like to call security cover. Man, they will stand there what seems like forever and sit there and you watch their ears. Their ears are just going, yeah. they're opening and closing. They're listening. They're they're licking their nose. It's like they've been around for so long that when they, they stand there like that, they are just taking everything in and deciding that next move. And I tell you what, when you watch those mature bucks do that and then like his next move, it's just a nice, still, calm move. It's, it's almost like... 
I've thought long and hard about this. How many times have I overlooked a deer maybe oh my gosh, that's yeah. just standing there? But if he doesn't come my way and he just slips out the back, like you you just never know they're even there. Yeah. I, I often question myself how many times I've been busted by a mature buck that was within 80 yards of just doing something dumb, checking my phone or like, oh, I'm going to stand up here now. That that crosses my mind so many times throughout the season because they are like when they're in that thick cover and if you didn't already see them, I mean, they blend in really well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And especially like, you know, you always see, at least on videos, you know, you'll, you'll see the videos of guys that have one inside of like 40. And if he gets, if he busts in the tree, then he kind of takes out of there like crazy. But it's like, like you said, all, all of a sudden you hit that next like 50 to 100 yard range they just kind of slip away. They don't even, and mm-hmm. it's funny because they'll always, they're always by themselves. So when they slip away, it's just this turnaround. It's, they don't put their tail up. They're make, not making a lot of noise. They just, they're, they're so old. They've been around the block a time or two. And they're like, I don't want any more eyes on me than possible. And I'm just going to slip out the back here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. hundred percent. And, um, I think the other question too, is like how many times these deer have cheated death? I wish there was a almost death oh, counter man. that came with a buck. <laughs> like, I think that'd be so cool. Like maybe this deer cheated death 15 times or maybe, yeah. it, maybe it was two times. I don't know. But I think that would be a really cool piece of information to like this thing almost got killed or this thing busted. How many ever hunters out of a tree? Like, that would be so cool to really know what that number is. No. Yeah. Like, like if they had one of those chips and like a dog has, you know, like <laughs> afterwards you can look at how many times you were close to him. And you, I think he'd be probably pretty surprised, especially the times that you never even knew he was there. Oh yeah. Just living right underneath you, right under, yeah. underneath your thumb, which is what happened with the, the six by six for sure. It's <laughs> <Just laughs> oblivious. So, so, so when you killed this buck, you know, you had mentioned that he, he kind of went downhill. Now, were you starting to think that maybe he was older than what you actually thought he was? Yeah. At that point, when I got the video of him where he just looked really haggard and he still had a pile of mass, but his tine length shrunk. I mean, he had a very similar frame and I don't remember what his beams were, but he still had decent beams and just really short, you know, G3s and pretty like drastically shorter G2s. That's when I kind of felt like this deer is definitely beyond mature like whatever that bell curve is like he's beyond mature and and declining so i didn't know exactly but when i recovered him and started looking at him and like looking at his teeth and like you know the buddies come over and take pictures and check it out and they're like dude i think this deer's really old i was like me too and then so we start kind of figuring out like well how old do we think he is like looking at the videos from the year before and really just don't have a lot of data to guess i was like i feel confident in saying he's at least seven years old and then after i shot him I sent it to a guy that hunts in that area. Like I shot this deer and he's like, wait a minute. He sends me a velvet picture of that deer from 2014 in a bean really? field in the summer. Yes. Same exact brow tine, same exact everything. Like that's gotta be the same deer. And I'm just like, yeah, I mean, it probably is. I guess crow flies is not that far away. And let me back up to, I did see this deer. It would have been between the 23rd when I got a trail cam picture. It was, um, at work and then I ended up driving around to scouting and I saw him in a bean field out by himself eating, eating dried up beans for whatever reason. In the same field, in the same field that the guy sent me the picture of him from whatever it was, 2014 in velvet. It's like, okay, well I just seen wow. him eat there. Just seen him eat there before I shot him, a week week or two before I shot him. And that's the same exact field. Those are the same exact brow tines. And I was like, okay, well he looks at least four years old in that picture, like at least. Like he looks like a mature deer. And so I'm starting to do the math. It's like, at least eight or nine 
at a minimum, like if that math matches up. And so I ended up sending his teeth into uh, DeerAge.com and for cementing manuli. And for anyone that isn't familiar with that, you cut out the two bottom incisors and you send them in and they like run it through a forensic lab. And every year in the Northern States, especially every winter is basically a line in a deer's teeth. And so they cut it open and they dye it. And I ended up getting, you know, the email and it, it felt, I, I'm trying to think of something to compare it to. It's like, you're getting ready to open the email. Like, Oh, what does it say? And like, yeah. you're kind of nervous for no reason. It doesn't matter, but you're still it's nervous. The, <laughs> it's like a gender reveal. <laughs> Pretty much. Dude, you're like, it is, it is. And you're like, Oh man, what is it? And uh, I opened it up. It's like 10 and a half years old. I'm like, Oh my Ooh. gosh, that's so crazy. And, but, uh, but the year before you said he was like, what? Mid sixties. You were saying, yeah, yeah. And he dropped almost 40 inches. For sure 30, yeah. For sure 30, wow. 35. Yeah. Holy cow. Yeah. And so that's a good illustration of how fast they can go downhill at times too. I mean, he was a slammer the year before, and, and I would love to know what he looked like the year before that even. Um, he was by a booner, like we said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you're, you're, talk, you're, you're talking a 60s caliber deer at nine and a half. I mean, mo- yeah. I think most people would argue like he'd be – He's three years past his prime at that point. You For know? sure. So if he's 60s, uh, yeah, I think we all can agree. He's, he was probably, he might have been 200, Jake. We're going to be honest. <laughs> My first 200 and Boone and Crockett animal. I'm going to go ahead. Four and years of his life, he grossed over 200. <laughs> yeah. Hey, he, he, he had Booner caliber brown tines at least. He, yeah. Those are still there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, in, in a good mass. So, um, so after that, and you, you, you talk to some guys and, and, the common question, like, how old do you think he is? And you say, I think he's eight or nine. And they kind of look at you like, yeah, whatever. Like, okay. Yeah. Uh huh. And just kind of pat- patronizing you and like shaking their head. Yes. And smiling. It's like, I really think like, here's the reason why here's the picture of him in velvet in 2014. And here he was. And you know, like obviously he went downhill. So that was really cool. I don't think I'll ever kill a deer over 10 and a half years old again. And the, I'm really surprised that deer actually lived to 10 and a half years old because the hunting pressure in the general area has increased a lot since 2019. Like that, I would once again like to go back in time and rehunt those seasons. Like those are the best seasons for the, that particular farm. Like it's gotten progressively okay. worse each year, but it was just like this golden window of where that area was just exceptional. And uh, it's yeah, I don't I don't know I don't know if I'll get another opportunity to 10 and a half year old deer. So I I take a, a lot of pride in that. And I think it's really cool. And I'm so thankful I sent him the teeth because I think that's a cool element of the story. Because if mm-hmm. I would have said he was nine years old, uh, people would say I was crazy. Or ten years old, people would have said I was really crazy. But uh, science says otherwise. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Man, it's it's so difficult to to judge a deer on the hoof. I don't care where you're at. I don't care if you live with deer. You know, I've been, I feel like I was like pretty decent at it, you know, judging a deer on the hoof. And, you know, that cement mange we're talking from deer age, I've been sending every, every tooth in since 2019, since I shot my Iowa buck, I've been sending every one of them in. And you're right. When you get that in your email and you open it up and it's like, please don't be like you know you know you don't want to be like you know disappointed or whatever and um i'm actually waiting for three sets of teeth to come back um and i got one more set to set out but like my iowa deer we knew he was old but you know it was just like when they get to that six range six plus it's like boy he could be five or he could be eight you know and he ended up he was the first year i've done cement imaging at and he was seven and a half and oldest deer that I feel like I've, I may have killed a doe that was older. I don't know, but, uh, oldest buck I've ever killed. But like, I had that same feeling too. I'm like, what was he last year? How did he get yeah. his one side screwed up? Like how many hunters has shot at him? How many times has he been like, did he get hit by a car? Did, was he ever 200 inches? Was he ever like, he's went through so many falls, you know, and the prime is probably five, five years old, six years old, you know? Um, one that really threw me for a loop was I, I killed a deer in Kansas. He was mid one fifties. Uh, we had pictures of him the year before figured he was at least four, maybe five that year, maybe even six. He was just a big, big deer and I killed him and it came back and he was five and a half. And I was a little, I wouldn't say I was disappointed, but I was like, man, like I thought for sure he had been a little older than that. And then uh, the one I was disappointed on, I killed my super six deer in, in Michigan here. I had history with the year before of him. I swore up and down. He was a three-year-old. The first year I hunted him, swore up and down. And then when I killed him the next year, 250 pounds on the hoof, and he only aged at three and a half. And I'm Ooh. like, mother of it Mary. Does, like, it does take a little bit out of it, like whether it should it or does. shouldn't, but it does if we're being real. Yeah. And, and, and the funny thing was too, is that, that Kansas buck I shot, um, I have pictures of it and I'm, I may have talked about it on the podcast, but the deer, his, his front incisors were all worn off to the gum. Like he didn't have any front incisors at all. I had to cut pretty aggressively to get down to the root and everything. And his teeth were very, very most worn teeth I've ever seen. So I'm like, man, this deer, he's going to be, he's going to be aged real well and he was only five and a half isn't that something it is it's crazy and that's like so the one really one that threw me for a loop is my buddy killed two bucks in one night here in michigan years ago and one was he grossed at 144 and the other one was 138 he killed him 52 minutes apart on october 4th and you look at these deer it's like the 144 is at least three years old and the other one's two and a half well we were thinking four and three is what we were thinking they both came back cementum aging at two and a half years old. Wow. Yeah. And we we're like, that's the moment we were, we both looked at each other and we go, we don't really know. No. We don't know. You know, like I could have, I, Jake, I would have, that 144 inch deer, 
he had he looked just looked like a stallion like he was just like a four-year-old you know like a four-year-old should look he looks lean he looks like a a cut 15 16 year old that's like real good you know like kid and i'm like this deer's two and a half are you kidding me right now it's just damn you know yeah and the interesting thing so i had i think her name is jen who runs that business i had her on the exodus podcast i think in, in 19 and I was asking, like, how accurate is this and everything else? And the northern states, it's more accurate because the winters are more defined versus the south. And the other interesting thing is the older they get, the more accurate or the percentage of accuracy of, of them guessing is actually more accurate, too. Where I think over three and a half or maybe over four and a half, I'm, I'm referencing a four-year-old conversation, so, don't, so no one hold me to this. But I want to say it was like 90% accuracy. And then, like, three years old or, like, two years old, it was, like, around 80% accuracy. So, um, you know those odds are, are pretty higher levels of confidence. Uh, but I, I think, I think it's really cool for anyone to send in the teeth, even if it's a doe, if it's a buck, if your neighbors, if you talk to your neighbors, like, Hey, do you, do you care if you give me your teeth? I'll just send them in. It's 30 bucks. Like for me, it's worth knowing just to understand what the age structure is. Yeah. And to your point, build that database of, okay, that deer I thought was four, but he was really three or that deer I thought was three and he was really four. And like understanding what some of those characteristics are. I don't know if you're going to be any more accurate, but it's, it's still fun to draw in whatever information you can because otherwise you're just simply guessing like you guys were before mm -hmm. yeah and that's yeah. both deer from this year i just sent in and um i'm supposed to get them back june like 10th or something like that so here in about a month and uh so two deer that i killed from from 2021 i actually sent them in all together with the couple deer from this year so the my ohio buck um the typical 10 that I shot in the full, full frontal deer. I don't know how old he is yet. He is going to, his, his teeth will come, or his results come back here in about a month. That one, I'm like, wait, I'm like dying to know because that deer is a specimen. And I honestly think it's going to come back and he's going to say four. Like, I honestly think that when I think he should be five or six, mm -hmm. <laughs> just in how much of a <laughs> specimen he was. Mm -hmm. yeah. So what what's crazy is that they're all, individuals right and even whitetails like yeah there's a generality of like aging them but even like humans I, we've all seen a human that you know like oh dude he's got to be like 60 years old and the guy's like oh, i'm 41 you know yeah. what i mean or, or vice versa we're like you've seen elderly people where like they look young you know where it's it's all a little bit different but i question for you jake uh, if you took away his teeth and he took away the rack on top of his head what would be the number one thing that 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 deer showed you that he was of that age so On, like a body character yeah i would say his his body size decreased drastically and then he had kind of like the crowfoot g2 flyer which i feel like a lot of deer end up start starting to throw some of those characteristics as they get older so like that was one of the first things i saw where his g2 went straight with a sticker to bent backwards you know and then that sticker was you know you know two two inches or whatever on the bottom of that so I would say that and he still had a lot of mass as well and so kind of just looking at that mass decreased body size some of those kind of unique characteristics that a lot of older deer and i'm basing that off of other people saying that the deer's old too so i mean it's like i don't know where you draw the line on what uh, what is accurate and what's not but those are the things that i felt okay he's for sure seven i mean mm -hmm. yeah i'd be so surprised otherwise yeah, I've I've seen pictures, you know, guys that shoot those real, you know, like, kind of like those eight, nine, ten year old boxers. Sometimes it's almost like you almost look in their eyes, and they're yeah. almost 
just they look old in their eye like underneath their yeah. eye and just like humans again you know but it's like they just have like this droopiness like this war outlook to them you know but i you know circling back a little bit to that that don higgins comment i i find that really interesting you know but it, the first thing that comes to my mind is thinking you know he says well you can always tell by the brow tines where you know here we are you know at the end of may and we're you know we're in growing season right now where it's like if you think about it it's that's the first point they're actually growing. You know what I mean? They go from bases and then they grow right up into the brow tines. So you say, you know, a 10 and a half year old buck like you killed, it's like he put his normal usage into his brow tines, but then after that, he might not yeah. just have had what it took to finish out what he normally did. Yeah. I think it's, and this is, I've just thought of this right now, but like when a tree starting to die, it starts shooting out branches from the very bottom or like trying to shoot from the, the root of it. And then maybe that's kind of a similar thing with brow tines. Like, to your point, all the all the nutrition and energy goes to the the bottom of it because it's still trying to preserve mm-hmm. it, but then everything else kind of falls off, you know, from there. That's so, a good point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a great point. Yeah, I just I just found that interesting, you know, because you start thinking about it, and how many times do you know a buddy send you a picture and they're like, "Do you think this is the same deer?" And I think we all naturally kind of look at the brow tines right away, especially if he's got something unique. It mm-hmm. seems like they'll always, like, if he's got one brow tine a lot taller than the other one, it seems like they always keep that kind of same brow yeah. tine mm-hmm. configuration. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or like a, like a souped curve. up beam or something like that. You know, it's usually always, usually always stays the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep, for sure. For yeah. sure. Stickers, swerves, and the tine, like those are, mm-hmm. all, and that, that buck had both of these, like stickers off the bases and then. Yeah, matching stickers off the bases and then like one uh, brow tine was more curvy and like it was so cool to i'm so thankful that that guy sent me a picture of that buck in velvet like that really i'm extremely thankful for that because you can really see that and, and illustrate it over you know three years of data over however many years so i don't you just don't in reality is you really don't get that luxury too often chasing whitetails i mean you, all mm-hmm. the deer you're mentioning you know four years old five years old the seven and a half year old deer in iowa it's not but you didn't have history with the seven and a half year old like over that time frame it's not for the average guy it's not too often where you get multiple years of history of a deer that's not going from two to three to four but like four to five or you know all the way up to eight so i think anytime you get that you really have to appreciate how rare it really is yeah yeah Yeah. and you 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 think you know getting that property you know you could say man i I wish i would have had that property years ago where you could have maybe had all that history but at in reality like you probably would have killed that deer years before that hopefully would have never had the opportunity to kill a 10 and a half year old you know but that was one part of the story that i you know i was thinking about that when that guy sent you that picture you know and when you went from 2018 to 2019 that was really your first summer on there so you didn't even really know if he would be there during the summer or not you know so Mm -hmm. it wasn't too surprising when he said oh yeah the guy you know farther away sent me a picture of him but that was from you know 2014 where he could have been somewhere in there for all those summers yeah. and just kind of made him made his way your way yeah for sure and it was funny because that guy's like yeah i had that camera there i haven't i haven't hunted that part of the farm in like four years i was like well, i bet you i know where he was living <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, yeah, in no october he, he's he's feeding in daylight you know not far from exactly where that camera was and it's like well that deer just found a little pocket where he was unbothered and, and no one hunted there and it would not have been a very big area. Um, obviously I'm sure he traveled further, but, um, yeah, it's just funny how those deer just, you know, suck into whatever spot that is, you know, somewhat untouched and they can live a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Question for you. That, 
in 2018 when you first went in there and you found that that really good scrape that he ended up getting the two bucks on video mm -hmm. on there is that scrape still produced for you today or no it did for a long time and then unfortunately the landowners so this this is part of it too so and this might be why the property got a little bit uh worse for for deer hunting it was overgrown this back little three or four acre patch was overgrown like willows that are going up like you know four inches five inches and it was really thick they came in with the brush hog and mowed it all down. And now it's this flat, like just broom grass. And, and unfortunately, the tractor clipped that community scrape that was getting hammered over the years. So um, it's okay because actually not far. It's So it's the same topography feature of this high spine. And it's it's I call it a spine, but it's like 50 yards wide. It's not really what a lot of people are thinking. But if you went 70 yards further... Now there's the new community scrape, and that's where I had some opportunities this year over basically the same terrain feature that they were using during the rut, but just, you know, not the same exact spot. So I think that sometimes people get caught up on, well, it's not there anymore, but there's a reason it's there. So maybe, you know, just spider web out and, and maybe you'll relocate, you know, the reason why they laid that sign down originally. So um, was able to kind of relocate that, but the farm definitely changed and because uh, it was kind of overgrown and neglected for a while, but now it's it's much more manicured, but it looks nice. Not good for deer hunting, but that's the way it goes. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Yep. Hey, what, uh, let's, we're going to wrap it up here, but like, what is your plans going in for uh 2023 season this year? Like what, where are you going to go hunt where I know you've been trying to pull <laughs> Iowa. So like, what's your, what's your plans? I am, uh, I have a lot of hope. I'm going to draw this Iowa tag. I have five points and, uh, I put in for that uh, last Monday, I think it was. And I'm hoping I draw there and, I will spend as much time in Iowa as I possibly can because I've been waiting for so long and my expectations there are just to hopefully shoot a mature buck. And I am so excited to go spend some time there. I think Iowa is such a special place. It's uh, people are nice. It's really cool. It feels like you're, you're hopping in a little bit of a time machine of what I remember Illinois was like 10, 15 years ago. So I'm really looking forward to that. Um, hunting Illinois. And that's, that's the short list. I, I still prioritize work a lot, whether that's right or wrong. And I, I'm not the, the gypsy soul where I'm like going to five different states in one year. Um, so I'll be hunting Illinois and Iowa. I'm, I'm very excited for that. And the prospect list for Illinois is actually pretty bleak in comparison to some of the other years. Mm -hmm. And that's why I'm even more excited for Iowa. So it's a very, <laughs> it's a very short list, but I'm, uh, I'm, I'm really eager and excited for the season. Yeah. Cool. I, I, I think when, when there's, when Iowa's on the docket, it's okay to have a short list. Like yeah. yes. that could be the only thing on the list, honestly. Yeah, <laughs> I could have drawn. I could have drew. I probably could have drew Kansas this year. I was like, I'm not. I can't do Kansas and Iowa in the same year. I'm going to be doing a disservice to one of them. So uh, next year, I'll hopefully hit Kansas, and then by then, I'll have some more points in Western states. So I'll hopefully try to uh, draw something for a Western hunt in 2024, and um, continue just working on the farms here in Illinois and running too many cameras and chasing too many deer that are probably unkillable that's kind of my well, if you have too many cameras you have my address you can send them this <laughs> yeah. way you'd like never too many but <laughs> sometimes leave you chasing your tail yeah yep. for sure well cool man thank you jake very much for coming on and doing this today and and telling us that awesome story what a what a warrior what probably the oldest deer we've actually probably talked about in a long time so that's really cool so thank you very much for doing that yeah thanks for having me guys it was a pleasure